Good job, good job. And folks, uh, the big news, the big news this week in wine and wisdom as we've added an extra W, an extra W, wine, wealth and wisdom. And um, <laughs> so, uh, folks, we've got, uh, we've got a bunch of people online right now. So great to see you guys here. Um, give us a shout out in the comments. Um, we're trying a little bit of new technology, Andy and I, and... Um, We've added a new word. There's a whole bunch of new things happening this week in wine and wisdom and wealth. So we're, I think we're, what, what should we call it? Let's chuck it out there as a bit of a competition. Wealth, wine and wisdom. Wine, wealth and wisdom. What do you guys think? Um, wine, wisdom and wealth. Um, maybe chuck it out there to the, the audience today, Andy. But, mate, um, you're, uh, you're really pumped about the last week, mate. You're, I think you've been uh, quite excited. You like a bit of politics, mate. Um, <laughs> we might uh, kick off with that in a minute, but for those who are dialing in for the first time are coming back, welcome, uh, folks, to Wine, Wealth and Wisdom. Andy Fenton um, over there in the black T-shirt and uh, Jason Witten here in the black T-shirt. Uh, we got the memo. This is our uniform, <laughs> our Friday uniform, um, gang. Uh, for the last four to five months, Andy and I have been getting together and debriefing on property, the world of property and finance, on the world of the share market, equities and banking, and helping our respective uh, audiences and tribes through these trying times, which have been COVID uh, crazy times they have been. However, um, we've got a bit of a momentum on every Friday now, glass of wine, debrief the week. And so that's what you're joining this week. If you're here new and uh, we've been broadcasting um, across all of our platforms today with a new bit of technology. So welcome, Jason Witten, Andy Fenton, um, and, um, and uh, welcome along. We've got a few guests in here. Bonnie, um, uh, welcome. And um, someone there just said, good to see you, gents. Uh, I think I can add these things too. Um, there we go. There's Bonnie. Um, uh, all three. Uh, thanks. Good to see you, Bonnie. Uh, can you see those, Andy? Uh, Mate, I can. Bonnie. Bonnie just flew across here. <laughs> Which is kind of cool, but um, I think uh, Bonnie's pretty uh, pretty supportive on all three, wine, wealth and wisdom, so we're going to add them in as you go. David Lees reckons wine, wealth and wisdom and wine. Um, <laughs> wine, wealth, wisdom and wine. <laughs> Two wines. David, mate, uh, appreciate your support, mate. Uh, I love that one. It's uh, it's a goodie. So, um, uh, yeah, we might uh, we might test it out, see how we go. But, folks, listen, welcome along. Andy and I usually have a glass of wine on Friday afternoon, debrief the week that has been and how it affects uh, our respective marketplaces in property and in the stock market and maybe a little bit of how it affects our life in general as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as property investors. And so hang around, uh, it usually takes us between, you know, 40 minutes and 140 minutes to, um, you know, uh, debrief the week, but uh, we've got some wine and usually it flows uh, a little bit as we go along. So uh, Emily uh, is, uh, is in the house. So how, do, how are you doing, Emily? Good to see you here. So Andy, I'm going to kick it off with you this week. Um, there's the extra wine uh, from, from Emily. She quite <laughs> likes that one, so it's pretty cool. But, mate, uh, the thing that's been on everyone's mind and everyone's uh, vision um, for the week has been the election. So, mate, uh, your world of the stock market, the equities, 
it gets a good pummeling or, or an up and down in these times. Mate, what's going on? What do you got to share with us this week? Why don't you kick it off in the world of equities? And, um, you know, I might follow up a little bit later in the world of property. Actually, Bonnie, you're right onto it, Bonnie. Last week, I didn't have lunch, Bonnie, and I had one glass of wine and I was slurring my words by the end of Wine and Wisdom. It was embarrassing. I won't do that this week. I had a big lunch this week, so um, I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, <laughs> kind of keep it together. But anyway, Andy, over to you, mate. Kick it off. I've been talking too much already. <laughs> well, mate, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I don't generally get excited by politics and, and elections and all of those sorts of things. That, but, you know, what, what an incredible uh, period of time that we've been through and, and still going through. And, and I say that, you know, understanding the sort of the devastation that's, that's happening around the world. Uh, but, you know, we, we also have to have a look at some of the uniqueness and, and sit back, have a little bit of a laugh and also, you know, look at some of the incredible events that are, that are transpiring. And uh, for, for anybody who's been watching, um, uh, watching the election, this is where we're at right now. So uh, I do like the, the, the heading here is that um, uh, the television network actually cut away as Trump tries to lie about the results, which, uh, which is absolutely hysterical, I mean, who who would uh, who who'd think that you'd have a president that uh, that actually manages to act like this? But Biden uh, at the moment is uh, is in front uh, two sixty four to two fourteen on the electoral college system, and uh, if we just spot it down here, we can see the the remaining states that uh, that that are in play here. Nevada being one of the key states, and Pennsylvania, which is much talked about. Now, if you have a look. Uh, uh, the light blue of Nevada says that uh, that Biden's just a little bit in front, and that's only by about a percent. So it's slim pickings through this. Uh, and Pennsylvania, where Trump is, uh, and we'll talk about in a minute, uh, talking about uh, trying to stop the electoral votes from being counted and going to the courts for that, uh, not going to happen. Uh, people, he is an incredible street fighter or petulant child, one of the two. Uh, yeah. Daddy's going to get that stopped. But, um, but Pennsylvania, just give you an idea of the statistics here. Uh, and for those of you who are interested, I've got this from um, The Guardian and really great website for the election. It's been an absolute corker. Uh, it's my, my eye watch has gone off at uh, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning multiple periods of time and uh, woken me up to election results updates. But uh, there is uh, less than 0.2 of a percent in some of these remaining states that are slightly red-coloured over there on the, the east coast. Uh, and uh, and they're really the difference that's breaking them up is really negligible. So as uh, as I said before, we got into this this whole uh, election period. I sort of said that the markets are going to be extraordinarily volatile coming into it, <laughs> and they haven't disappointed, mate. We have seen um, some mate, massive, some charts, massive mate. Have you got some charts, <laughs> mate. Uh, so so this this is the S and P two hundred, and I know that this is an Australian index, but. Uh, if we have a look here, now this, I've, I've chosen the month-long uh, results to, to show you here because the lead-up into uh, the election and uh, you can see November the 2nd there, the, the low point. So that, that peak to trough uh, from left to right was uh, re reflects at about 5%. Uh, and then on the uptake, that, that's about a 6% swing. That 6%, 6 swing happened in about two and a half days. I'll just say uh, it which, and, half that. and what is that in dollar terms, Andy? What is that in dollar terms? Mate, it's a lot. I haven't I haven't got the data on that one, but uh, but it's a fairly <laughs> sizable chunk. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you can and you can take that to the bank. It's a lot. 
But have a look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look, look, look. Could you tell the difference between the US and the, uh, the so the S&P 500, which is the US, and yeah. Australia? Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Jeez. I mean. That's crazy. It, it, it's, it's interesting to show how this is really playing out uh, globally on markets and the, the actual effect of this election. Now, in our terms here, that's a 7% upward swing and it went up further again today, uh, uh, which is, you know, really quite incredible. Uh, now, as I said, that there's a few things that are lining up with these results. So if you jumped in on the negative volatility over in the US and jumped into something like uh, Apple or Tesla, you'd be up, uh, oh, sorry, Apple, you'd be up about 15%. Uh, if you jumped into one of the ones that we've been talking about more recently, which uh, which well, in was- a few yeah, days. In a few days. Yeah, in a few days. We're, this is the shit. swing. <laughs> this is the swing that we're talking about. Like literally 17% uh, down, 23% ups, you know, 13, like it's it's unfathomable, the, the kind of volatility. And it's, 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 markets don't like uncertainty. They really, really yeah. don't like uncertainty. And the problem is when you've got a, a, a bit of a, a time where- You've got uh, you've got this happening. This was our uh, this was our old man. Uh, basically, just the other day, uh, he was playing a good game. As 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 he said, he's winning, he's winning, he's winning, and then something happened, and and he started to lose. And uh, but uh, it was it was a, it really was a little bit of a, a little bit of a joke. Uh, and so, my, the, he's officially got this title from me. So, for those of you who don't know what's actually happening, Trump is, uh, has brought out the street street fighting moves, and he's gone to the court system to try and cancel the uh, the postal votes, uh, because there's a high likelihood that if the postal votes come in, there are people who are going to be su- uh, supporting Biden. Biden gets Pennsylvania. Biden wins. Uh, that that that's just the brass tacks of it. Yeah. The biggest challenge, though. In all of this is that uh, is that effectively the Senate and you you might remember I brought this this uh, well, not this fella well who was it I brought this fella up and I said we don't want to see this guy right we don't want to see the purple headed monster turn up and that is exactly what we're seeing we're seeing uh, basically equal representation in the in the Senate now so looks like Biden will get in touch wood. Um, and as a result, uh, we'll end up with a, a government that can barely govern because uh, because yeah, of the Republican. Yeah. yeah, they're basically yeah. the hung parliament. Thank you, Julie Fletcher. Um, so, uh, so it's going to be really interesting what will happen. That that's kind of the worst case scenario as far as uh, election results. We wanted somebody to be in power and be in power to be able to make decisions. So it'll be very interesting to see what. Uh, what happens as far as uh, Americans are concerned uh, and the American politics uh, that plays out into the future. Because if you have a think about it, and you, uh, even Trump's own party didn't really support Trump towards the end. So there's two outcomes that can come from this, is that we actually end up with a sort of bipartisan uh, government that can actually govern uh, because they're working for America again. Uh, and that could be because there was a big disconnect within Trump and his own party. Uh, so hopefully that does happen because, as we've seen in Australia from the the, the sort of decade post Howard, uh, it didn't matter whether you're a Liberal or Labor. If you can't get uh, legislation passed, if you cannot pass any laws, or you can't do anything, then really you're just a figurehead. You're just uh, you're 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 a puppet on a stick, and um, yeah. that might yeah, you're, filling, you're filling a seat for a, a few years, and then what what else? Yeah, yeah. 
And look, with everything that's happening as far as COVID, as far as political tensions, all of these sorts of things, you need to be able to make decisions. So uh, it'll be really, really interesting. Um, I I don't think that markets are going to like this medium term, but markets have just gone absolutely gangbusters. Like it's, there's there's no rhyme or reason to what's going on uh, at the moment. It's just hysterical to watch. But one of the other things that, uh, because we said that there are a, a number of big events that were happening. So obviously the election is still going. So we did call that. We sort of said that it's not going to be done on the night and probably for a number of days afterwards. Yeah. Uh, this also means that the stimulus packages are not landing and the stimulus packages are not landing over in the US. So all other things being equal, that should put some downward pressure on markets uh, because when we're not going to see that now, most likely uh, until midway through January, possibly even February next year. So America potentially is going to go through some really, really tough times with COVID and no stimulus package to relieve them. So so you reckon Um, after the the general excitement of the election, markets flat or even declining a little bit, you know, while, while they get their stimulus mojo on, you reckon? Yeah, look, it's it's likely that you will see markets sort of buoyant but uh, falsely buoyant because there's this, and we've been talking about it a little bit, that, but there's this term now called uh, tech defence. Uh, well, actually, there's not a term called that. I'm just going to coin it. We're going to call it tech defence. You heard it here first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Andy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but they're, they're calling the defensive trade to go into tech right, over in the US. And you remember from last week, I said that the the S&P 500, which is the American Stock Exchange, is actually up by 2%. But if you take away the top five tech companies, the whole index would be down by 4%. Now, that's 6% difference that five companies have made, yeah, uh, which is incredible based on the size. So what's happening is that we're People don't see stimulus dollars coming instead of going into industrials, instead of going into banks, instead of going into these uh, better dividend and better cash flow uh, type of trades. They're going to go into tech, and they're called, and it's basically it's known as a de- the defensive trade right defensive. now. Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, over this time, let's say COVID, those ones, those tech companies are the ones that have benefited significantly from from this downturn, right? The banks had money out, so their assets turned into liabilities overnight, right? Because people ain't got jobs, they can't pay the mortgage. Um, you know, um, the real estate industry companies, um, you know, struggled. They had a bit of a challenge. Um, and, um, you know, we're all locked at home. And then, um, you know, who wins? Well, if you've got the internet on, you know, people buy stuff on the internet. I've never, I've never ordered so much bloody Uber Eats. It's not funny, like unbelievable. Um, we got uh, Mark Camareri saying good day. How are you, Mark? Good to good to see you flying, Camo. brother. Yeah, Camo's there, um, all the way from Newcastle, lovely Novocastrian. Um, so uh, good to have you dropping by, brother. Um, but yeah, listen, mate. You know, it's an interesting one. Uh, like, listen, I'm bullish on that stuff, and you know, I don't know anything about the bloody share market, but I'm thinking, well, what did I use? You know, what did I consume more than anything um, over this time? You know. You know, I didn't go and get more mortgages or, you know, pay more to the bank or take on more credit cards or anything. I put mortgages on pause. People put mortgages on pause, deferred payments, stopped all that stuff. But what didn't stop? My access to the internet, consumption of Netflix, uh, ordering things on Amazon and, um, you know, buying some, um, you know, buying some uh, food online. And there's uh, there's Julie 
Julie, lovely <laughs> Fletcher. <laughs> Flying in. He's the tricky boy. <laughs> yeah. Great to see you, Jules. But uh, yeah, mate, it's an interesting one, hey? So those big five, those big five companies. Yeah, and, and so this is the defensive play, and, and this is what you and I have spoken about in yeah. different terms over the last month, two months, in that interest rates are now, again, hit a new low. So the RBA came out, they did the rate cut, it hit exactly where we said it was going to be landing. We said it was yeah. going to be landing there for about four months, I think, uh, basically yeah. as soon as they did the last drop. Um, so markets actually, interestingly enough, markets actually went down and they just got hammered uh, after after that happened. Hammered by, I think it was about 5 or 6%. Uh, mm. And usually markets rise on that, but I think everyone knew that it was coming, right? So we've had while. the... Yeah, we've had that election take place. So, but with interest rates so low, people are going to go to the new defense, right? And so that's where I say the tech tech defense, which is you you would it's it's a growth stock, like and the volatility is massive, but yeah. people are seeing that as a defense. And this is what you and I were talking about. What are, what is the perception of defensive assets, uh, and what is the perception is not necessarily the reality. So. Mm going to be interesting to see how that plays out and that and so you, it's quite possible you could see these things run wild as people don't know where to put their money uh, while there's no stimulus over in America so that's obviously going to have a big impact down here the the other big news was uh, was that the major banks actually uh, reporting and uh, so for those of you who like a good read uh, and are into this sort of geeky stuff uh, check out uh, KPMG uh, bank release. I, I, I read this today and um, uh, super, super interesting. Uh, these are some some good stats uh, from, from the bank. And I actually just talked to this one uh, mostly. So this is, uh, this is the housing and SME, so small to medium business, temporary uh, repayment deferrals. So these are the deferrals. Um, and so you can see down the bottom, uh, we've got oh, we've got ANZ, then we've got CBA, NAB, and Westpac. If you look yep. at the top, yeah, and you can see down the bottom, we've got June, July, August, September. All right, so that if we have a look at CBA oh, yeah. alone, yeah, that is six, so sixty billion. That's B with a B, billion with a B, uh, sixty <laughs> billion dollars worth of public. Uh, so you Joe, everybody loans yep. were put on deferment. And fifteen billion with a B, uh, Jason, in the uh, in the small to medium enterprise. So that's commercial loans and things of that nature. Yeah. So yeah. CBA, you've you've sort of seen a, a decline in the the amount of deferrals that are that have been on there quite rapidly coming into September. But yeah. ANZ pretty constant. You know, NAB a bit of a falling trend. Westpac, there's sort of just basic noise there. So there is still standing as at the end of September, which was the end of the stimulus, there was $35 billion in domestic and uh, $10 billion in commercial uh, with ANZ. There was 45, that's billion with a B, Jason, uh, with CBA, <laughs> holy smoke. And, uh, and then we have about 30, $37 billion and about $35 billion, uh, with Westpac Bank. So don't have to be uh, a genius to see the old T um, coming in there somewhere uh, soon if if they don't um, if they don't get a hold of it. Not really, just joking. It's going to be the hundred billion, but um, mate, pretty pretty staggering kind of statistics that yeah, are then going to come to fruition over yeah. the next you know three to six months. So in that um, 
there was a there was an interesting release uh, that, and uh, probably my last one uh, for today. Uh, so the, the the theme of the the report was really, you know, with all of these loans deferred, and the reason why I kept on saying B with a billion with a B, Jason, is because I wanted to drive home the point. Um, we've see see the top line there: operating income decreased by one. 0.7%. Now, this is across all of the banks, 1.7%. That was how much it decreased, right, for, uh, from last year. So net interest income actually increased. Let me say that again. Net interest oh, yeah, income actually yeah, yeah. increased. So you can do a little bit of math in between there and figure out uh, what's being written in the background. But ultimately, and I, I, I think we, I said it last time, is I said that the results for the banks are probably not going to be great, but I don't think they're going to be as dark as everybody thinks that they are. Uh, and this goes to show just the – and, look, there's still plenty to play out in COVID, plenty to play out with the banks, but these yeah. figures are really quite staggering. Uh, so, yes, the earnings on the banks were down about 6.7%, uh, the shareholder returns, but ultimately their income, their operating income, only dropped by 1.7%, which I think is – is is staggering, and uh, most people wouldn't wouldn't have picked that, uh, and well, that shows is that, really is that, how much Andy, is going on. Yeah, is that is that come on? Is that um, you know the big end of town uh, accounting magic? You know, push it to the balance sheet or uh, forward booked or bring it like you know um, how do they out, like just because it's deferred doesn't mean it's not accounted for this year or whatever. Is that kind of some sort of play in there? I mean, have you have you looked into that part of town? Uh, look, no, they, their research report didn't go into that much detail from yeah, from yeah. KPMG, but no, they they won't have booked they won't have booked the forward revenue into their their reports, and um, so uh, it didn't go into a lot of detail as to where the additional had come from. But there had been a huge amount of loan activity, um, and you know, well, as yeah, you I mean, said, on your side of the equation, you've yeah. seen people just go absolutely bananas, and so while people were were deferring loans. Uh, us in the business world, and if we wind back to when you and I first started Wine and Wisdom, we yeah. were telling every business owner to go out and get their hands on every damn loan that they can possibly get their hands yeah, on. You can, and, and I'm still saying it now. I mean, right now, like still again, I mean, you know, those incentives for business owners are still out there. Never before uh, have I ever experienced such uh, easy access, low-cost money. The government wants us to have some money in our hands and employ people and grow, grow the country. And um, one way, shape, or form, there's some inefficiency in there. But you know, those those loans are still available. Two hundred here, ten grand there, twenty grand there. You know, um, R and D grants boosted. You name it. Um, you know, and like you said, um, you know, there's some employment loans going to employ young people. All sorts of stuff going on. You know, I think it's going to be an exciting time to be an entrepreneur in the next two to three years. Um, you know, and those who can sort of wrap their heads around this stuff. Uh, and take some considered risk, uh, I think are going to be the winners in this stuff, you know. Um, you know, there's a few people who sort of, um, you know, rightly or wrongly rolled over and, and COVID just, you know, it, it's time to call it quits and, you know, maybe pull up stumps and think about something else. And there's those who kind of, you know, hunkered down and got through and, you know, thinking, wow, okay, a lot of my competitors are gone. If I can get hold of some resources and get the right talent, it's time to really shine. Look, having having that conversation with with clients and uh, and friends almost on a daily basis, yeah, and uh, 
And, and, you know, the story is still the same. So for those businesses that are in the, the struggle areas or the future struggle areas, right, because, again, this stuff isn't over. Uh, and, you know, now more than ever, the war chest is is just so important that you, you keep that or keep your hands on reserves because the there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's going to play out over the next three to six months across the board. And being financially healthy like that and having the ability to deploy the reserves pragmatically, like when, when needed and when it's a calculated opportunity, yeah. uh, is, is going to see some businesses go from having thousands of competitors to a hundred or tens. Uh, and I was having a chat with, uh, with a, a one, I won't mention their name, but they're, they're a wonderful uh, human being. Uh, who are in the travel industry, and uh, and they've just been decimated, and they're having to create segments of businesses that they never had before. And the 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 advice was here is when JobKeeper kind of finishes, is not to maintain everybody employed and and try and box on as best as you can. Is probably yeah. to start to position the business now in order to get down to fighting weights, in order to be able to see a vaccine or see some sort of new world order come uh, back together where we can start to fly and, and do all of these sorts of things again, and it will be in a new way. Uh, but their competitors are dropping like flies everywhere. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like letting a mortine bomb go in Uluru, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just raining dead flies. And, dead flies and I, I that. It's, it's a yeah. horrible thing. But if you position yourself right and you make the right decisions, then mobilizing shortly afterwards is going, you may be one of 10 instead of one of a hundred or one of a thousand. And then when we come out of it, interest rates are going to be very, very low. So the ability for you to be able to scale and leverage that business is going to be unprecedented. So managing those reserves now, so, so, so critical. And not just for small businesses, think about the big businesses. They can borrow money for peanuts well i was listening to a podcast in um uh i think it was called um, scaling up um, masters of scale um excellent podcast if anyone wants to in business or any any entrepreneurial activity masters of scale reed hoffman and they were talking to the ceo of h&r block in america um and um what they did over the um covid times is they drew down on their two billion dollar line of credit um, of their business. So they drew it all down so they would have liquidity to win all the business, you know. So um, And they, they've creamed it. They've, you know, doubled in, doubled in revenue and all sorts of things, you know, over this time. And they said, listen, we knew we needed that liquidity. We knew we, knew we needed that money because the H&R Block kind of like, you know, pays you a little bit and, you know, you, you get the cash now but they have make a margin later. It's almost like factoring your... Um, you know, factoring your tax return. But, um, mate, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, um, over in my neck of the woods um, in, in, in this stuff here, if you have a bit of a look at, um, you know, where is all that money flowing? That money um, uh, is, has been, you know, you, you talk about those mortgages that were paused. And if you have a look in, in here, um, in the world of um, um, people's offset accounts, that money, there, there's more principal being paid off Okay, more principal being paid off and uh, more money sitting in offsets account, offset accounts right now. So, you know, uh, not only 
uh, is there cheap money available? But also um, one of the things that um, in my neck of the woods, when it comes to borrowers, it's actually never, um, well, not never, never's a, lot, never's a big word, but this chart shows it is from the housing affordability index right now, it's actually cheaper. It's more affordable right now in every single capital city of Australia than it has been in the last 10 years to uh, borrow money to buy a house um, as a, an average wage. So even though wage, wage growth has been literally non-existent, Andy, for the last you know, decade, it's actually gotten cheaper um, in, in the mortgage space anyway uh, to own a house. And um, that's a really interesting one. So it's, there's, more, there's more money sitting in people's offset accounts and mortgages than ever. I would argue probably um, people have appreciated um, their buffers and their war chests more than ever, more than ever. And, you know, um, if you have a look at this right now, you know, the mortgage repayments on, um, on these mortgages you know, uh, are pretty insane. Like it's it's so cheap to own a home right now. Um, you know, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the money will start to flow out. And we're starting to see, we're starting to see that millennial generation who avoided or couldn't get lending for a long, long time, those guys are coming back into the marketplace um, and, you um, you know they're entering the marketplace, so it's a really interesting. Like it's it's um, <laughs> never say never again. <laughs> uh, but you know it's interesting, man. You know, you know there's there's actually by and large a lot more money in people's accounts than there was a year ago. That like like cash liquidity, it's cheaper. There's more cash flow liquidity in people's lives right now than there was a year ago before COVID. It's a really interesting thing. Now, that might be a generalization for the people that I get to meet. Um, and uh, No, you know, not, not according to the statistics by KPMG. Yeah, there, was, yeah. there was significant growth in, uh, in savings accounts. Uh, and one of the things that I started to think about and pontificate is that the, the reality is that banks don't want money in savings accounts anymore because they can't make money on it because there's no interest rate differential. They've got point, point one. You know, you're, they, it used to you get you got 1%, right? And now that's how much you used to get in your savings accounts, right? Yeah. You just everyday savings accounts. But now the point one, that there's no money in it for the banks. There's no spread. So you're thinking, and, and I know that Julie's got a comment down there, would you fix your mortgage for 1.99%? Julie, I think that probably two years ago, if you'd ever said something like that to me, I'd say, you're mad, you got to lock it in. <laughs> get but, on that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the reality is is that the banks will make money through lending because there's still margin there. Yeah. And the difference between what they're borrowing it at and, and what they're, they're lending it out at is, uh, is significantly hundreds of times more or 100 times more than what the you know, money on deposit is, is making them. Yeah, so yeah. I'm wondering whether there's the potential for that to be squeezed significantly. Uh, over a period of time. I'm not saying not to. I think that for me, whether you lock in a, a mortgage rate or not really depends on a strategic cash flow position. Like what is your strategy? If that matches your strategy, 
then you lock in a certainty. And if that works for your strategy, then you you, you go for it because it's part of a, a bigger plan. But whether it can go lower, maybe it can. Like I I remember five years ago, I said when when you saw a four, a four in front of it, <laughs> it was like you know, grab it, lock it in, go for uh, it. That's inflation. Yeah, yeah. Well, Andy, and you know this is one thing that um, uh, you know I'm quite bullish at uh, at this point in time. This is actually this decade. This next decade is going to be the easiest decade to debt reduce if you lend money than ever in my history in 20 years or 30 years because the interest cost is actually going to be so low and your income is going to be so high. The differential, uh, it's, it's, it's actually, I was running some numbers the other day. Most people can debt reduce, um, they can cut a normal mortgage in half um, to 15 years rather than 30 years um, from eight out of 10 properties if they're done properly right now. Um, they, they, they can pay themselves off in 15 years. Now, I've never seen that in my entire investing career. Now, there, it may have been decades before, but for the last 20 years, other than kind of, you know, this 12 months, the, it's, the, it's been the other way around. You had to get growth. And, um, you know, I think growth is going to come in real estate. I, I think there will, like you and I have chatted about this before, I think growth is going to come from the quality assets that we have not the quantity of the assets. Um, uh, however, even if it doesn't grow at mad, crazy rates, I believe the low interest rates are going to allow us, if you're smart, and this is where we've got to be smart, I hope, I hope the lessons learnt from COVID for people about moving their zero line, their buffer line, making sure that they take care of their cash, making sure they have liquidity, making sure they understand you know, the value of you know, what happens if I don't, if I have no income for three months, what happens? What happens to my life if that happens? Um, those lessons. And then, you know, adjust your strategy as you go. Have a smashing debt reduction plan at the same time as an acquisition plan. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows where you could be in 8, 10, 15 years. It could be pretty, pretty cool, I think, you know. So I'm excited about reimagining the strategies right now, mate, in, in my world of real estate. You know, you're already talking about defensive assets are completely different than they were, you know, 12 months ago. Uh, it's a, it seems like it could be a new frontier, Andy. Look, and this this sort of goes back to some of the, the, the ideas that I had for the thesis when I was thinking about doing a, a doctorate years ago. Can you imagine it, Dr. Fenton? Uh, <laughs> I, I reckon you'd be great with as Dr. Fenton, right? Dr. Fenton? He's in the house. <laughs> I, I, do, I do have the doctor's jacket. I'll wear it for the next wine and wisdom. Uh, you, when we talked about it uh, and we were talking about when this money has to be replayed from the Australian government, we're talking about a billion dollars a day. It's a b- b- billion dollars a day and that's going to be hard for any treasurer to, to kind of swallow. And any idea of, of increasing rates in the in the medium term is is just going to exacerbate the the pain that governments have had have. So my theory that I was that sort of my thesis was based around was the velocity of money in that the the fact that money can move around so much faster now means that there might be a new normal of leverage. So that you know you and I might start our lives with a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt because that's our zero game, mm. right? And that's because of how quickly money spins around the system. It's quite in-depth sort of thesis. But when you think about it from this perspective of governments have now gotten to zero 
and you and I talk about it all the time is 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 lending based on risk rather than yeah. lending based on a fixed rate, uh, which turns borrowing into a, a really quite a simple game, and it turns investing in borrowing into an even more simple game than what it was. Right? It, it basically, what is the risk of Jason Witten? You know, uh, paying off a loan, and that will come into: Do you have life insurance? Do you have steady income? Do you have? Are you working in a strong career? Now, some might say that this is uh, d- going to be discriminatory, and it, and it probably would be, right? Because it, it's based on risk. So, if you're in an occupation which has a, a high risk associated with it, then you, as an individual, will have a higher risk rating. Uh, you might have a very strong salary, and you might be in a in a in a sector that is almost guaranteed employment. But then, if you don't have the life insurance, you might be paying six percent. Yeah, get life insurance, you might be paying two percent. And to me, this this makes a whole lot more sense than having arbitrary numbers set by the Reserve Bank of Australia, because ultimately that that system is really there for the banks, uh, and so that the banks can make money by stimulating money into the economy. But now we've seen, you know, rises of companies which are larger than the banks, which have more capacity than the banks, the Apples, the Amazons, the Googles of the world. The, the, the intermediary, right? You know, the role of that intermediary is changing significantly, right? And you could think about it would be based on the property that you're buying. You know, is it in a growth area? Is it in a, a blue chip area? Okay, you're going to get a lower interest rate. It's a better bet. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It just makes more sense to me that we go in that direction more so than going back to some sort of new rising interest rate environment. And you know, I think, well, if we go that way, you heard it here first. Uh, and uh, and what, a, what an exciting place to play. And we're already seeing it. Uh, and as blockchain evolves, I think that this thing will just naturally start to happen. And naturally. probably with the... Yeah. 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 And, you know... Um, Chatting with my business partner, Sam Saggers, you've met Sam and, and you know, we, we serve, you know, property investors across, you know, Australia and New Zealand. That's our primary um, uh, customers we serve and our, our, our tribe. But right now, you know, Sam has had five conversations in the last week, uh, first starting with his mum. Uh, his mum is in her late 70s. Now, she had, you know, a few dollars, um, you know, let's call it um, – uh, a fair bit more than 500 but you know a little bit less than a million uh in the bank and that's what she was living off she was living off you know the returns on the cash um and in defensive assets and uh you know it's it was the death nail it was the death blow you know the the point zero one um cash rate you know um it's literally worth nothing and now she for the first time in over 15 years is taking her cash out of the bank and she's going to buy uh, a property. Bitcoin. Cash oh, out, sorry. right? No, <laughs> she's going to buy Bitcoin, no. Um, and, you know, really interesting things. And, you know, and, and Sam said as soon as his mum had those conversations with him, uh, uh, all of her friends sort of said, well, I need to speak to Sam. So, you know, it's interesting for me to hear, you know, the 70-somethings coming out of the woodwork um, going, yeah, getting, you know, getting point zero. Zero one on my cash or whatever. Zero one on on my cash is just rubbish. I'm willing to take it out and I'm willing to buy something cash outright to get a return now. Um, and um, you know that hasn't happened for twenty years, or longer. I don't know. Like, I haven't been around in that space that long. Um, 
you know, to, to really sort of understand what, what happened there. You know, the, the older generation relying on those defensive assets, that's not going to happen. The young generation who've been literally locked out of owning properties for over 20 years, between 10 and 20 years because of the expense now are like, holy shit, I can buy something for the cheapest that's like it's ever been. And, you know, everyone in between when it comes to lending and real estate, um, I'm pretty pumped about the next few years what that mix is going to be. I think it's going to be a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, but it's going to be an interesting mess where there are going to be some winners and there are going to be some losers um, in that game. Uh, but I think everyone's going to win when it comes to the cost of lending. And if you're smart, like you said, about what you use the lending and your leverage for, uh, if you're considered, you're smart and, and you're focused on your outcome, uh, the resources are there for those who want to grow their capacity in business or in investing, you know, through those mechanisms. And I think it's going to get easier. I, you know, the whole thing is going to get easier. It's, yeah. get, it's getting easier, Jason, because they're, they're and, and I love this headline. Uh, check out this for, for an oxymoron or just moron. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, the responsible lending laws are being repealed. Just, just, just listen to that. Listen to that coming out of the mouth of a politician. That we're repealing the responsible lending laws. We're repealing the responsible, responsible lending laws. So what's on the opposite side of responsible? <laughs> well, I would say irresponsible, Andy. Is that the right answer you're looking for? <laughs> so we're back to irresponsible lending back in Australia. Uh, well, I was just chatting with um, with, uh, with a lender um, only a week ago, and um, mate, they mate some of their products were almost curling my toes back in the days when um, I, I I remember lending money from uh, a mob called Caesar Mortgages, and um, they were out of Scotland. They were underwritten by the Bank of Scotland, and um, they allowed you to capitalise fifty percent of your interest because properties would, would always go up. So, um, so I had a seven percent loan. Um, I I capitalised three and a half percent, and I only had to pay three and a half percent. My rent was five percent. I was pocketing the difference, and um, literally it was like for five years, it all went pear shaped in the GFC. Um, ASIC said that that was irresponsible lending, and I didn't have to pay the the capitalised portion of my loan. <laughs> Oh, it was crazy. Maybe we can start it back up again. What was it called? Oh, C it was, like, C it, was, it, it was no doc lending as well. Like, do, do you want the loan? Yes, thanks. You know, and um, oh, it was crazy. So, <laughs> are you really Jason Witten? Uh, well, yeah, yes, according am. to me. Yep. Uh, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, Trent, Trent. <laughs> yes. So you know, I, I, I certainly, while I laugh about it, I, I don't think it. I, I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, condone madness like that again. However, you know, getting simple uh, quality access to funding is is something that's important. And you know, APRA went too far; they absolutely fucked it. And um, you know, and, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that that uh, like that's the beautiful irony uh, yeah. that I that, that is, is that they called it responsible lending yeah. in order to drive home a point, which was their agenda. Right, so they had an agenda, and this is typical of politics at the moment. And and I think that this is where everyone really needs to be just 
wake up, listen, and listen to hear, uh, and and th- and and actually start to process and judge, make some judgments on this sort of stuff because the politicians are doing some crazy shit right now, right at the moment, and and sort of getting away with murder. But this is a classic example. They had an agenda, they executed the agenda through uh, a, a, a royal banking inquiry. They highlighted certain parts of it uh, as the billboard. They found some pretty nasty stuff, and they they flew that up like a flag. Uh, and then put a blanket approach and sort of killed the industry. And they called it responsible lending, right, in order to be able to have that kind of uh, emotive impact on people, right? So oh, now we're now we're safe because we're, we're responsible. It was draconian and, yeah. and it, was, yeah. it was overreaching. It was sort of a dictatorship-style move in order to control the system, and and this is one of the challenges with with Australia. I mean, we we tend to be a little bit of the certainly in Victoria where the nanny state. I think I've brought up a few times. Molly Meldrum fell off a ladder, and then they wanted to make helmets mandatory for everyone on a ladder. For Christ's sake! But um, but this is an example, and repealing this isn't going to irresponsible lending. It's yeah. actually going well. The government's going well. We actually need you guys to to get mobile so that the economy can operate efficiently. And so yeah. there's the gap. So it's so should they have called the responsible the lending philosophy uh, repealing efficient lending? Mm, mm, mm. We're going to make inefficient lending in the economy in order to be able to serve our needs, and so now they're making it more efficient out in the marketplace. And as we see that roll through, it's going to be extraordinarily interesting, and that that dovetails into the business owners or investors as well who keep their powder dry. Yeah. And then have the ability to show good revenue, even if it's backed by some of your war chest, because you will have to qualify for the loan still, but they will be easier to qualify for. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, some of that interest-only lending and 90% lending will come back and um, it's already sort of back on the table for the right, for the right borrower. And um, it, used- it has to come back, Jace. It just yeah. fundamentally has to come back. There are going to be areas of real estate that are going to fall in value and there's going to be large areas of real estate that fall in value and not the good stuff but the the big farms of uh, of properties that every third house is the same in certain areas they're going to fall in value and the bank can't foreclose on everybody because they breach their 80% no nah, no nah. and so they and, have to repeal it and they have to and and reality was and and has been you know 2017 2018 Saw a significant uh, drop in the the median value of housing house pricing across Australia, and that was driven um, by one thing that um, that changed in the lending world. Right, it had nothing to do with the quality of real estate or anything like that. It was the APRA um, threshold for interest only lending lending enforced on the banks, and the banks in, in blanket statement went. If your interest rate, interest only lending uh, phases up, nah, you're going back to principal and interest, right? And um, it's it's such the most ludicrous concept because it was actually contravening the actual lending law that they were forcing people to go into principal and interest payments, and they actually couldn't afford to make the principal interest payments, right? So. How fucked up was that in the lending world 
the, 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 the consumer continued to make the interest-only payment no problem. That's what they qualified on. And now they're being forced to go to principal and interest. And if they were to run the servicing calculator on that customer today on the principal interest loan, they wouldn't qualify for the loan today. But they're forcing them into that loan uh, by a draconian measure, a dumb, stupid measure. And a lot of people had to sell properties. It wasn't like a disaster like the GFC, but a lot of people were forced to sell properties because their, their payments um, went up 30 40% um, on those properties. And it was just like, oh, now it's turned my positive cash flow property into a negative cash flow property. And, um, you know, they had a plan. Uh, many in my world um, had buffers in place for those things, but there was you know, one in every 20, one in every 30 that simply couldn't sustain five properties going from interest only to principal and interest. Um, and, um, you know, it was draconian. Um, so, you mate, you know, it was a dumb, it was a dumb lending concept and uh, it was a bit of a witch hunt really, I think. You know, you know, take me down that rabbit hole there where the conspiracy theory of, uh, you know, you know, the, the, the big institutions wanted... Um, wanted the business back and they sort of got in the ear of government and said, oh, listen, brokers and independent financial planners and all these other people, uh, you know, they're the, they're the problems, you know, just let us take care of it, um, you know, but it kind of backfired a little bit on the, on the institutions there. But mate, at the end of the day, uh, the outcome for us now is access to efficient quality lending so we can all, you know, use those resources and go for it because any – You've said this, there's more money in circulation, there's more wealth in circulation than ever in history, right? And the idea, you know, it's actually pretty naive, I believe, to to sit anywhere in the world and go, oh, you know, lending, the problem is leverage, the problem is lending. It's not going to go away. Money has to be put to work, right? Um, and, and lending is a form of assets going to work it's one of the oldest forms of money going to work right so you know it's an interesting thing it's never going to go away um you know those who are afraid of debt i my sort of you know 90 percent seriousness is get over yourself and learn about debt understand how to use debt in a wise way not a stupid way um you know and if you want debt to be safer then don't borrow such a high lvr and keep a higher buffer and you know, um, choose good assets. Um, but lending is actually something really important for those who are born into wealth, Andy. That's one of my things. Like, you know, if you and I came from humble beginnings and all you've got is a job and you save your butt off and get 10 grand, mate, the only way you're going to get ahead in the world is is using leverage, using lending. And you know, old mate who's third or fourth generation, you know, got a hundred million in the bank and they take care of the family office. I mean, it's it's disproportionate advantage for that person. Um, so I think leverage and lending is super important for the world of opportunity. You know, um, you'd have to learn how to use it well. Well, and you know, the government step in, and I'm having a government bashing session today, and I'm really. Punching them, <laughs> but, but there's backwards thinking and there's commercial thinking, um, and you know they they try and 
curb and create nanny type provisions uh, by curbing free market trade, right, which is market lending, and say that it's irresponsible. But uh, riddle me this, Batman, like you, you take, you repeal stamp duty, you get rid of stamp duty, and you halve capital gains tax. What does that do? All of a sudden, if you do need to sell, you can sell, right? Because even if it's a small lot, you're not going to get smashed with 5% stamp duty plus or and above. Um, you're not going to get smashed with tax and all of these sorts of things that make uh, the exchange of property uh, quite challenging to do. Yes. And if you after the tax, they would probably end up getting more taxation revenue because there would be more turnover of property. And there'd be less chances for people to get into serious mortgage stress um, because, you know, it can happen so quickly uh, because yeah. literally you buy a property and as soon as you buy a property, if you sell it, depending on the value of the property, you're 30000 30, plus your realtor and your legal fees. So you sell a property and you, you're, in, you're in debt to the government about thirty grand straight off the bat, your average property, yeah. Yeah. and you've got 15K uh, real estate bill uh, and a 5k conveyancing bill or whatever it costs. So you get 20,000 because you borrowed at 90%. You don't get that back. You know, it's rubbish. Yeah. You're dead right, mate. But, you know, I, I quite like New Zealand's version of the world. You know, they, they charge more GST on the property. Um, and, um, you know, now they're charging capital gains tax on trading activity, but not on personal ownership. So, you know, people who own their own things, you know, I, I think it's a good idea, mate. And and it was meant to be bloody done. You know, the governments, they backed out of this. Stamp duty was meant to be abolished when GST was brought in. Um, and the cheeky pricks, they kept the GST and they kept the stamp duty in. It was meant to be phased out. Um, and, you know, the, the you know bloody New South Wales brought in an exit tax um, as well. Um, and um, it, it tanked their marketplace, I tell you. Um, but... Um, how else do you get paid $400,000, $440,000 a year with an economy that's not earning any money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's put some more taxes in there. That's it. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> Mate, uh, so listen, uh, I'm a big fan of understanding leverage and using lending wisely. You know, it's uh, if you do use it wisely, it'll be your friend. And to be honest, Andy, you know, uh, most banks are actually quite, quite nice people if you've got genuine situations like they are like they like they're not draconian people who send the cronies around you know genuine people who get into genuine strife the banks nine times out of ten will treat you genuinely uh really nicely and and that's you know that, that's what i love about australia you know um that's what i love about our system you know um most by for the most part yeah, you're going to be treated well and if you have if you have a shitty time, you're not going to end up in the gutter. You know, you, we've got a welfare system. We've got a medical system. We've got a, a reasonably fair political system. You know, they're just a few clowns in the, in the system, but, you know, that's the way it rolls. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a pretty good place to live, um, you know, so we can't complain too much, can we, really, at the end of the day. But we can, we can make good decisions, and that's, you know, what, you know, Friday Wine and Wisdom is all about, you know, trying to make better decisions based on the resources we've got to take care of the things that are important to us, you know, um, as we as we, as we we go along. But, mate, uh, I might throw it out there as we sort of maybe, you know, bring this one in for a landing. Um, I didn't drink too much today, so uh, I'm not slurring my words at the end of that. <laughs> and I had a good lunch, which was awesome. 
But if anyone's got any questions before we might, uh, you know, sign off, uh, wine, wealth and wisdom, the new, uh, the new, new, and our new broadcast studio here, kind of fun. Um, hopefully um, it was, uh, was kind of cool. I can put Andy on the right. There he goes. I can put him back to the left. <laughs> I can say, Andy, it's all you. And I can say, hey, hey, it's all me. Um, and um, that's kind of cool. And we can be back together. Which way am I going? Add me to the <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun. But uh, um, if anyone's got any questions, chuck them in the chat. But uh, so gang- just, just before we go, uh, who? Just, so hit the like button if you reckon this guy is going to win. I'd love to. So this this is the best way we can do a poll. So hit the like button if you reckon this guy is going to win. All right, chuck it in there. Where's the like? Like the subtitles. <laughs> and uh, and then if you think this guy is going to win, where is he? Where is he? He's here somewhere. Hang on, he's behind here. If you reckon this guy is going to win, uh, hit, hit the love button. So I want to, I want to see a little poll here and uh, and see how we go with them. So I this, this a, is, I'll, I'll put you on solo, Andy, so you've got the whole screen. It's all you. So this this is the uh, future of the free world. Uh, so hit hit like if you reckon that uh, uh, biceps Biden is uh, is going to be the the leader of the free world, uh, or uh, if you think that Batman's nemesis. Uh, the 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 Trump is going to be hit the love button. Uh, we'd love to see what your thoughts are, and uh, and don't be shy if you, you reckon it's going to be Trump. Put it in there. We won't track you back down and then list your names out in the next wine and wisdom. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, well, we did a, we did have uh, one question there from David Bellamy. David, good to hear from you, mate. Great great to see you on. Um, would you change an interest only loan to a principal? Uh, and interest, um, and so it, it's a, it's obviously a, a, a big question. But for me, David, part of the strategy when it comes to lending is, if you have the right interest-only loan set up, which is an interest-only loan with an offset account available, um, uh, and depending on what loan it is, whether it's your principal place of residence or your um, uh, an investment property then nine times out of 10, I would show you that it's better to keep a interest-only loan going and make extra payments if you choose to. So make a principal payment if you want to, but sit it in the offset account. And nine times out of 10, sit it in the offset account uh, of a owner-occupier property. And so um, David made... um, I hope that makes sense. But if it doesn't, hit me up on uh, direct message on Facebook. Happy to talk to you about it because it is, it's a simple one, but it's a powerful one to understand the interest only contract with you and the lender is the agreement you have. It does not mean you can't make extra payments. You can make extra payments on an interest only loan. And it's just a commitment to the payments. So you can make as many extra payments as you want if you set it up properly. Uh, I suggest you don't make extra payments into the loan. I suggest you put them in an offset account. Okay, you have a 50-50. Then, David, you know, if it's your principal place of residence and you are in the um, the back stretch, stretch of life, um, as Andy and I would say it, and you don't need access to that money for liquidity, 
then I would just make the principal payment and get on with it and smash your loan down. But if you need access to that money, if it's important, those extra payments, you don't want to have to beg for that money back to the lender, then I would never give it back to them in a principal payment. I would sit it in my offset account or um, I would sit it um, in my PPR offset account or um, depending on where the most interest is being charged. So hopefully that makes sense, mate, but happy to chat to you uh, on a quick Zoom. If you want to have a bit of a yarn, mate, uh, hit me up So um, as you go. Um, and that, that's, that, so that's interest only, but uh, not to be confused with fixed for a period because uh, if you do yeah. fix periods, so just a subtle difference, but people often confuse them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you do fix, sometimes you'll be restricted to, uh, sorry, if you fix the period of time on interest only, then you might be restricted to paying 20% of capital over the life of the fixed term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are a little bit of the fine print that you've got to read, but I'm 100% in in the same camp as Jace. Yeah. There, it's for, for me. It is. It's all about cash flow and budgeting. Like what makes sense from a cash flow and budgeting perspective. If you yeah. think that you're going to need it, then sometimes paying a little bit more, if it is more than principal and interest, uh, sometimes paying a little bit more can be a good idea. So that it's it's sometimes just a cheap credit card, if that makes sense. That, that exactly. It's exactly. It. And Nicole said, you know, do you use the same? offset account for both home and investment. Nine times out of 10, Nicole, um, there's zero reason to have an offset account in an investment on an investment property, okay? If you've got a home loan, a principal place of residence that, that is not tax deductible, there's, there's, really only, there's really only a need to have one offset account um, and that's on your own home, your principal place of residence. All money, all extra coin, even your rents and your tax deductions, everything goes into your offset account and it clears out of that one account. Um, and even if money's in there for a day, it'll save you, I don't know, 10 cents, 20 cents, a dollar. And the compounding effect of that money left in an offset account over the next 30 years can save you, you know, a lot of dough. Um, so one offset account, it's the central one. And if you're smart with how you use that money, um, um, then... You know, all of your rents, all of your depreciation, everything goes into the one spot and then clears out of that account as you go um, and uh, um, use your principal place of residence to um, reduce the debt because it's not tax deductible So um, as you roll along. But uh, good question because like Andy said, sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. Offset account, principal and interest, fixed interest only, you know, um, redraw facility, splits, you know, there, there's a lot of acronyms and, and, you know, descriptions that sometimes they all sound the same, uh, but they're not the same, especially when it comes mm. to the tax man, especially when it comes to, you know, um, actually getting the offset account applying to the right spot. So, um, you know, that might be a, a good conversation for for next time. So great, great to have everyone online today. Hopefully everyone enjoyed today's wine, wealth and wisdom um, as we've, we've, we've dubbed it the three W's. Um, and uh, and um, yes, keep it in the offset account, not put it in the principal, um, uh, Nicole, absolutely. Now that Nicole, it depends on the stage you're at, you know, you, and, and you're part of our mentoring program, so you, you understand these words. And Andy has the same type of descriptions, you know, the acquisition, the consolidation of the lifestyle. If you're an acquisition or, or consolidation, 
having access, liquidity, access to that money and capital when you need it without having to beg, beg for it back from the bank is super important. Um, absolutely super important. Um, in the consolidation part of your life where you, where you are debt reducing, you know, borrowing might not be that important. It depends on your strategy, but you know, you're deleveraging at the back end of your life, not keeping the leverage open. So, you know, um, it is a good question. And that's where, you know, chatting with Andy and myself, um, you know, at the right time is going to be important for everyone, you know, to get the timing right. Because it's not the same for everyone, but, um, you know, it will be powerful um, if you get it right. So, And, mate, uh, there's just one there from Julie as well, which I saw uh, just a little bit further up, saying, um, do you think that they'll, yeah, there you go. Jeez, look at you. You're a bit flash tonight with all of this technology. Look at you. (laughs) Uh, I I get a little bit lighter every time I have a technology conversation with you. Um, (laughs) I I think that uh, my my take on this, and and this is just what I believe, I think in Australia, uh, we talk about keeping your powder dry and unfortunately, and again, we're talking politics, but you can't leave politics out and and I'm, I'm sorry that, probably sounding contentious to some people, but the reality is is that politics is a part of markets at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of talk in America about, um, you know, this, the, 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 wealth, uh, the welfare system, oh, sorry, the, the health system shouldn't be uh, politics and it shouldn't be linked to politics, but it is, and it's being wielded like a weapon. Uh, I would find politically I would suggest that it would be very, very good move for them not to drop any more stimulus um, and then just drop a really great budget, right? Because that allows them to really control that it's not a stimulus; it's just a cracking budget to get the Australia to get Australia back on track. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Uh, they, but there's with Victoria coming out of uh, of COVID nineteen without the sensationalist headlines, uh, which will come, by the way, as as unemployment continues to rise and, and all of these things that will just naturally happen as a result of severe lockdowns and uh, and the repealing of the stimulus. I think you're going to see that they, they're probably going to keep their powder dry uh, until budget time, which is going to be March and April, and you can be bet your bottom dollar that Jason and I will be waxing lyrical about uh, all of the various different changes that are going to be happening then. And I reckon yeah. that they, they're turning their minds right now to what they're going to be doing come April next year when they when they launch the budget because then it's not election year next year. Um, I've been so caught up with America, I'm not even sure whether it is uh, for Australia. But if Mate, it is, I then... On, I rely really- on you and Shay for all, all things politics. I can tell you that one right now. Um, and, uh, mate, uh, no, nah, wrong bloke to ask. Maybe Steve, so, Steve Matthews, if he's still listening, he'd know. Steve, is it an election year next year or even Shay, she'd know. <laughs> it just to wrap that one up, there is still – so there is stimulus that is available between now and the end of the year and that comes in the form of the ability to access JobKeeper. Uh, it comes from the ability to access uh, the instant asset write-off, uh, yeah. which has just been expanded almost limitlessly. Uh, so there are a lot of measures in place that you can use. Uh, and I think go back to the stimulus package marked budget, but to go back to the stimulus package and uh, and maybe we should do a recap on it, Jace, just to let everybody know because I think a lot of it got lost uh, with, you know, the craziness that is. But well, there's still I, a fair bit. I think that would be good, mate. I, I think, yeah, I think that would be great. I'm going to do, I'll show you guys, I don't know if you can see. <laughs> 
Which way is upside down? Upside down. Anyway, I've been buying some equipment over there, getting the instant write-off. You're probably all all feeling a bit sick now with my. How much did What was in this? Um, what was in that wine? <laughs> so there, there's there's Mr. Witten keeping uh, keeping Apple afloat. That's uh, uh, the reason why they hit the, the two trillion dollar market cap. But, uh, but uh, by November 28th, 2020, we have an election. So, look, to me, it makes such sense. And unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, that um, COVID would be used as a, as a political uh, platform. But let's face it, that's, that's what's happening here. It's what's happening yeah. uh, globally. Uh, and, you it know, put yourself in the same shoes. You know, you, yeah. you'd probably end up doing something similar. You can release it a little bit earlier. Uh, or keep your powder dry and and be the budget or uh, bring the budget that brings Australia out of the the COVID nineteen recession uh, yes. that apparently the RBA said we don't have. Um, but uh, <laughs> before it began, that's yeah. that me of, of a Rodney Root song. <laughs> Rodney Root song, and then it was over before it began. <laughs> 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 uh, well, we, we might we might need to end it before we go too far here, Andy. But uh, one last question from Melinda. It said, what if you own investments but not a PPR, set up an offset account for the investment? The answer is yes, Melinda, absolutely. Um, and the caveat is uh, unless you've got other debts that are even more expensive than your investments, which are usually things like car loans, um, uh, furniture loans, um, credit cards, those things, you should get rid of those debts um, if possible because they do consume things, which is your borrowing power. But it all, it all depends on what you're trying to achieve. So check in with your advisors and your coaches before yep. you do that. But, yes, um, the and money on, should be somewhere. And on a, lot of the, on a lot of the car loans, you've got to check the terms and conditions because uh, some, a lot of the time paying yeah. car loans or equipment yeah. loans, it actually makes no difference because they they build in all of the the future interest into the forward part of your uh, your payment schedule. So if you do, let's just say you had a hundred thousand dollar loan which had a flat five percent for five years, it had twenty five thousand dollars worth of interest payable. If you paid it out in year three, you would it would all the twenty five thousand dollars would all be still within that payment cycle. So yeah, pay in, that, anyway. in which case. It makes no sense to pay out the car loan. So the, this is a game where you just got to read the terms and conditions. And and when I do a lot of presentations in around small business world, I quite often say, uh, and I use Donald Trump as an example, actually, uh, read the deed uh, or read the documents. You know, I know that they're boring and they can probably put an amphetamine freak to sleep, but uh, but ultimately, you you want to if you're signing something that is half your salary. Like it makes some sense just to read through the T's and C's, which are terms and conditions, because uh, we just in today's world we we sign so much stuff, uh, yeah. and when it's related to lending, at least have them explain it to you, and 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 that's the thing. So ask the question, okay? Because uh, if, if you don't want to read it, because let's face it, look at mortgage documents are like that. Like I get it. Like you're not going to sift through them. You, yeah, you, you literally take your eye out, Andy. Like, <laughs> 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 just be highlighting the whole way through it. But um, but ask the people that you're getting the, the loans with, What can I pay it out early? Does it make sense to pay it out early? What are the ramifications if I pay it out early? Just ask the basic questions and then yeah. you'll you get a good idea as to, to which place. Oh, where you sit, yeah. Well, mate, um, 
been uh, been great to chat with you and been great to have interactive crowd with us uh, this week. So thanks for supporting us, gang. Um, happy Friday. Happy wine, wealth and wisdom um, to all of you guys. Um, and uh, Andy, you've got one last thing to do, so I'll hand over the screen to you. Whoops. <laughs> do the video, Andy. Do the video. <laughs> Where are you, Andy? Come back. Oh. <laughs> What's going on? I'm blowing up. Uh, cheers, mate. Thanks. Cheers, for a good, good chat, mate. And thanks to everybody. Thanks for joining us. Join us again next week. Another wine, wealth, and wisdom. Have a great weekend. All right. Cheers, gang. <laughs>